All right, Carrie, would you pray for our time in the Word? Father, I thank you again for the opportunity to gather today, God. I pray, Father, for those that um, cannot gather today in freedom, Lord. I pray, God, that you would protect them by the power of your name, Lord. I pray, Father, for this nation, Lord, as we are entering into the week of Thanksgiving, God. I pray, Father, that we would be a grateful people. I thank you for the nation that we're living in, God. I thank you for this fellowship, God. I thank you for the body of Christ, Father. And I pray, God, that we would, um, not just this week, but always uh, remember to be grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Jesus.
you are the resurrected Son of God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your love endures forever. And as we enter this season of thanksgiving, though for Christians it should be a daily habit of being thankful and grateful, but as we enter into this week and the season of thanksgiving, oh, how I pray, God, that our eyes would not be on the temporalness of this life, but our eyes would be focused and fixed upon you, Lord. You came to set the captives free. You came, Father, not to judge the world, but to save the world, to reconcile us back to our Creator, that we would no longer settle for the created, but that we will long for our Creator. And Jesus, you are the only way to Him. So, Father, we thank you for that. We pray, God, as we open your word this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would cultivate our hearts to be good soil to receive, that it would take root. And I love as we, during our prayer time today, Father, we we heard the understanding of how then through perseverance it bears fruit in our lives. So God, may we be a people who persevere. God, do not let your word be choked out or snatched out of our hearts. But, oh God, may we persevere and may our hearts be of good soil, Lord, to receive today and the days to come until the day of your return. Oh, how I pray, Father, that we would have a greater hunger and a thirst for righteousness for your name's sake. And so we thank you, God, that we have the living word. I pray, God, that we would be grateful for it, that we would treasure it, Lord, and that, Father, we would hide it in our hearts because your word declares that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word together. To be led, Father, by the Holy Spirit. To sit at your feet. And so, Father, come and have your way among us and in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So these three R's for 2021. Can't believe we are in November. December is just around the corner. December 31st would be a complete year with these three R's. And my hope has been and my prayer has been for us that we would mature this year, that we would would have a greater hunger for the things of God in our lives, that our lives are bearing fruit, that we are allowing our roots to grow down deep into Christ. And so God... In the beginning of last year, as I was praying back in 2020, before the clock struck for 2021, 
just praying for us, and these three R's just came to my heart. Repent, resolve, and to release. It's just not a one-shot time that you do this. It's every day. It's the lifestyle that you should be cultivating. You should be growing. You should be dying to the old and walking into the new. We're not looking back. We're not looking to the right or to the left. No, we are looking up. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We know as believers He is returning for us. And we are to be about our Father's business. That The Bible says that we are image bearers of Christ. Think about that. If you're a Christian, think about what the Lord is saying over us, about us, for His purpose, for His glory, by His power. We are to go forth and to bear His image. We are to serve. Are you serving? Because your life in Christ is no longer about you. It is about Christ. It is about His kingdom. About His glory. Jesus is our example. And Jesus, and when we read and we understand Him when He came to earth, He came as a servant to do the Father's will. He didn't even come to really point to Himself, but He humbled Himself to point others to the Father. He came to take the punishment in which we deserved. We were the ones in rebellion. He wasn't in rebellion. He was doing the will of God. He was obedient. And so as Christians, that should be the mark of our lives. Are we going to be perfect perfect in it? No. But we're not striving for perfection. We're striving for maturity. And that's the key. You don't make excuses for your sin. You don't make excuses for your bad attitude. You don't make excuses for what life throws at you. No, you get up and you press in. And there's many seasons in your Christian life that you have to endure and don't give up. Because you're going to be challenged. There's going to be so much that's out there trying to get your attention. To lure you away. But we must remember that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And again, I'm not looking to be perfect because I'm not perfected until I am with him. But what I am doing is I'm desiring to mature. In and of myself, I cannot mature as a Christian. This new life is only a life that you have been born again of a new nature. You're born again of the Spirit, so you must grow. You must walk in the Spirit. And I love it, as we've heard before many times, and if you're in the Word of God, you'll see it in the Word of God, that you are to walk continually, habitually, in the Spirit. Because you are a new creation. The old has no hold on you. Unless you allow it to. The enemy has no right to you unless you give yourself to him. It is by your choice. 
Think about that. Choose this day, life or death. That is set before us every day, throughout the day. So we need to be thinking upon what we're thinking upon. This isn't nothing new. But how are we doing with this? Like When we know that we're coming up to December 31st, we've had a full year of hearing this repetitive teaching over and over and over and over. Have, your, have you tuned out? <laughs> oh, how I pray you haven't. Oh, how I pray that you are hungering even at a greater level for the things of God. And if you're not, then just repent. <laughs> Resolve and release and grow. So let's talk about repentance. The action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. Sincere regret or remorse. It's just not a I'm sorry. No, it is a sincere regret. Like, oh God. Like you recognize the weight of it. And when you repent, you get up and you move from it. You don't cling to it and make excuses or deceive yourself into thinking that you can have it by hiding it. Oh no. Like you understand the weight of it. It is destructive. There is nothing good coming from it. It never will, no matter how it might feel, good or bad. Nothing good comes from the flesh. So, these scriptures we've been going through, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and listen to this, and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can't but he can. Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do we understand how important repentance is? Joel 2.13 Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Ezekiel 18.32 For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and it results in spiritual death. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. Oh, how I pray that we have an understanding of of repentance and and we don't see it as a burden, but we truly see it as freedom. Because we're turning from ourselves 
and we're turning to God. We're laying down our lives to step in to this new life, which is better for us. I've always encouraged us, your Christian life shouldn't be a burden. And if it's a burden, then all you know is religion. You don't know the Creator. You don't know Christ. Jesus himself says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. <laughs> so your Christian walk shouldn't be a burden to you. I found that when in seasons of my life where it was a burden, not only in my life, but even for those that I've counseled, it's because we're unrepentant. There's sin in our lives. There's something in our hearts and our lives that is more important than Christ. And so we've got to get real. We have to be transparent first before God and then before man. I've always encouraged us to, to with the understanding that when there's something more important in our lives, when sin is more enticing than holiness, then we're saying that God isn't enough. That we have, we have a, the misconception, we have a wrong thought about God. And that's why I've encouraged you to get to know God, know his character, because we've been fed lies. The enemy is working overtime and has worked overtime in our lives to deceive us on the character of God. A lot of people believe God is the one with the problem. He has an anger problem. They have no concept of who God is and the love that he has for us. And most of the time when people talk about God's love, they stripped him completely and made him out to be this weird God. And I've always encouraged us, no, you need to know the fullness of God, of who he is, how scripture reveals him to us. As we are walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even Jesus says that He has to go away so the Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit, which is God in us, is teaching us everything that Jesus has revealed to us about God. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead us away from the truth in which Jesus spoke and displayed. God in His mercy and it's loving kindness towards us. His desire is that none shall perish. That all would come to the saving knowledge of who He is. Remember, we're the ones in rebellion. We're the ones who are stiff-arming Him. We're the ones with our fists up. Have we truly gained over these past 11 months the understanding of what repentance looks like in our lives? Again, it's a daily thing. You're, you're never going to be at a place in your Christian walk where you can check everything off and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, I'm, I'm here, I've arrived. It doesn't happen until you're with Him. So if you're a Christian and you're not actively repenting, something's wrong with your relationship with God. Again, every day, life and death is set before you. Remember, in the book of Genesis, it tells us even at the beginning, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to master you, but you must master 
it. You must be engaged just as you were in your old life. You have to be engaged in this new life to live. Resolve, the second R, to decide firmly on a course of action, to make up one's mind. As the Holy Spirit brings conviction, again, we understand that repentance isn't something that we would begin begin in us. No, it's His loving kindness that leads us to repentance. See, all of this is a work of God in our lives. It's not about following the rules and the halls. You will follow Christ as you know Him and as you live for Him. When you have an under, clear understanding of who He is. And so it's His loving kindness that leads us to repentance. We repent. We have that sincere regret and remorse. Again, it's just not, I am sorry. No, it's a sincere regret and remorse. You are disgusted by it. And you say, but what if I go back to it in an hour? Well, get up, repent. Stop playing games with God. Truly ask the Lord to give you that sincere regret and remorse so that you don't return to it. But don't listen to the lie of the enemy that keeps you down and in bondage. So that's why the second R is important, but the fruit of it can't come forth unless repentance is there. A genuine repentance. Because then you resolve. You get up from where you are and you make up your mind to move forward. To get in the Word. To get discipled. To desire obedience. Remember Jesus' words. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? No, we are to obey. We are to submit ourselves to His authority. How now then shall I live? I need to make up my mind. I need to resolve to decide firmly on a course of action. These scriptures I've shared with us, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Psalm 118, verse 6 through 8. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. Don't you realize that a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an an eternal prize. Are you running to win? Are you getting up and going through your day every hour of every second purpose to resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action, to make up your mind, I will not feast off that which is dead any longer. I will not continue to have a bad attitude and make it all about me, myself, and I. I will not continue to allow my pain and my hurt and my loneliness and my insecurities and all of that junk. I will not remain a victim. But I will be a victor in Christ. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because I've willed it. No, but because it is His will that I shall live and not die. That I shall see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Oh, how you need Scripture hidden in your heart. Oh, how you need to walk intimately with the Holy Spirit. And oh, how you need to know Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Resolve. Make up your mind. Decide firmly on the course of action. When the old man, when the old woman wants to flare up, remind the old man, the old woman, the, the, the rebellious nature that you have been nailed to His cross. There's nothing good in me in and of myself. The nature in which I lived in before Christ is in rebellion towards Him. And it loves to feast of that which is dead. And we're not to continue to go back to our vomit. We are to continually to press in to Christ. Because we are now living by the Spirit. So let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Just not the parts we want to give Him. Just not when we show up for church. But every day, every part. And then Romans 6, 11 through 12. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Resolve. Make up your mind. I will not be led by the power of sin any longer. I've been made alive to God through Christ Jesus. Not because of my religious works. Not because I'm suppressing things or hiding things. And I'm tormented inside. No, 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 no. I am free because of Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so then, as we repent... As we resolve, then we are to release. There has to be, you have to let go, you all. You have to let go. So release, the act of setting free or letting go. Letting go of your past. Letting go of people. Letting go of what hinders your intimacy with Christ. There should be no hindrance in a believer's life to Christ. So what's hindering your time of devotion? Your time of prayer? Your time of fellowship with believers? Your time of fellowship with Christ? What's hindering you from taking the steps of obeying? Of being discipled? You can't settle for the scraps on the floor. 
You got to take your place at the table. Again, as I've been encouraging us, and as you can just look around the world, we as the church cannot continue to play church. We just can't go to church. We must be the church. We are His bride. We are His body. Jesus says that He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So how are we doing with releasing? Letting things go. What is that trying to captivate you? To lure you back? To draw you back? What is it that you feel fulfills you more than Christ? Because there should be no one, no thing, no desire, no need, no insecurity, no bad attitude, whatever it is that keeps defining you. Because Christ is to be defining you. So we have to be determined to release So I've shared some quotes with us over the year on letting go. Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Decisions sometimes prove to be the hardest to make, especially when it's a choice between where you should be and where you really want it to be. Let God have your life. He could do more with it than you can. It hurts to let go, but sometimes it hurts more to hold on. Let go of the past so that God can open the door to your future. When you finally let go, something better comes along. To heal your wound, you need to stop touching it. Quotes on releasing, on letting go, how important it is in your life, especially in your Christian life, to learn that you are defined by Christ, by Christ and Christ alone. Some scriptures, Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay safe on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Ephesians 4, 31-32 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. These are things that we are to be letting go and then replacing them. As the Spirit is leading and maturing and growing us. Again, if you have an anger problem, allow the Holy Spirit to have full access to your life. Whatever it is. Let's just talk about anger. Maybe it's what anything else. (laughs) But whatever it is, then go before Him. Especially when it flares up. Like, God, I'm sorry. Help me here. You don't have to hide from God. You don't have to dismiss it. You don't have to make excuses for it. He loves you. He knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows exactly what it is that masters you, and He bids you to come to Him, to give it to Him. I don't want to always to overreact. I don't want to give in. I don't want this. Whatever it is, you just have to be honest with Him. Like... 
I'm giving this to you because I recognize it's no longer who I am. So, Father, help me in this area. Are you dependent upon Jesus to mature you? Or are you just making it a religious walk? Because when Jesus is in charge, you'll change. Your tongue will change, your mind will change, your heart will change. Everything about you changes because Jesus is in charge. Because remember, you are to be an image bearer. And for far too long, what we've done in the church is just let the church remain who she was. <laughs> we just made excuses. We've turned this into a, a show. <laughs> we turned it into an institution. But we're the people of God. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race, to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Oh, do we hear that? Are you meditating upon these scriptures? Are you you applying the truth of these scriptures to your life? Because remember, we're not just to be hearers of the word, we are to be doers of the word. And so you ought to be forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. And if that is not something that you've put in practice, put it in practice this week. When the old nature rises, you remind yourself, no, 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 I'm reacting this way because of what was done to me in my past. I'm desiring this because that's the old nature from my past. Oh, but no longer am I to live according to my past. Because I've been made new. I'm to live now according to Christ. Forgetting my past. Looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to to the end of the race. And to receive. Look at that. What's ahead of us? The heavenly prize. That Jesus is calling us to. Not something that we've worked up in ourselves, but that Jesus is calling us. Job 17.9, the righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Philippians 4, 6-7, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Not as you're living for yourself, but as you're living 
and Christ Jesus. Remember, that is your position if you are a Christian. You are in Christ. You are seated with Christ. You already have the victory because of Christ. And so your mind needs to be renewed day in and day out on the goodness of Christ. And all that he has done and has accomplished for you so that you may live. Not just to come to church and pretend you're a Christian. No, but to experience the fullness of the Christian life. Because of Christ. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The peace of God. The world can't give it to you. Your past can't give it to you. If you're struggling with all this chaotic stuff within yourself and you're pretending to be alright to everyone else, the reality is, is that you're living a lie. And you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling anyone else because people see it. And so we must live with the peace of God. Listen to that. Peace of mind and heart. Peace of mind and heart. Are you troubled today? (laughs) Mentally, physically, (laughs) emotionally. You don't have to stay stuck. In this world, Jesus says you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. He tells us here in this scripture, I'm leaving you with a gift. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. It doesn't mean that you won't experience it, but the reality is is you don't have to stay stuck in it. There are people who are facing the hardest seasons in their lives. But that's what it is in life. They're seasons. It comes in and blows in and blows right out. You're going to have to endure the deepest valleys in life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're always going to live on the mountaintop. No, the majority of your time is going to be in the valleys. Because that's where perseverance is produced. It's through trials. It's through trials. The the trials that you face in your Christian life no matter what they are, are not meant to destroy you. Are they hard? Yes. We don't live in this, we don't make Christianity this weird warped reality like everything's perfect. I, I don't have any emotional problems. I don't have any, any mental discord. No, everything is perfect. That's a lie. We go through things day in and day out. You're dealing with things. I'm dealing with things day in and day out. But the reality is is that we need to bring everything out into the light. We need to be able to really look at our lives and assess them. Who's leading? Me? Myself and I? Or Christ? The Holy Spirit? If I am in charge, I'm going to dwell on that which was behind. Or I'm going to look and dwell on my future of what it's lacking. But if I'm in Christ... If I'm allowing Him to lead, if I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to have full access of my life, I don't have to hide. I can be real with Him. And He will humble us. He will correct us. He will 
discipline us, but he will equip us above all to keep moving forward. And that's the hope that we have as a believer that no matter, because people face tragic events. Believers face tragic events. But we must remember where our hope is. It is in Christ. And again, trials come to produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and ultimately hope. Hope in Christ and that hope in Him will never disappoint us. I'm not looking for things to go back the way they were. I'm not looking for this or that or this or that. No, I'm clinging to Christ. Are you clinging to Christ? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you the rest, or give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. John eight thirty six. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Repentance. Resolve. Release. Oh, how I pray that these three R's are encouraging you to get up each and every single day and live. And live. As we look forward to Thanksgiving, as we go forward into this week, and you know, that's what's set before us as a nation. It's a time to give thanks. Um, and you know, again, as a believer, that should be every day. <laughs> and if you've never started a, a journal, a gratitude journal, I would encourage you <laughs> to start one. Basically, go be prayerful about your day, and as you're going through your day, look for five things that you're grateful for. And write them down. And don't let them be the same items each day. Do it for 30 days. Lord, because in and of yourself, in and of your flesh, you're not going to be grateful. But if you can begin to cultivate gratitude in your life, as the Spirit of God leads you, as you begin to track it for 30 days and really see what you've been missing out because you've been focusing on the wrong things, you'll begin to see the importance of being grateful. And so I wanted to talk about that today for the remainder of our time. Are thankful and grateful the same? I wanted to lay this understanding out to us. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word thankful as pleased and relieved. Both of those are great feelings. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word grateful as showing an appreciation of kindness. This is where the difference lies. Being thankful is a feeling and being grateful is an action. And as I've been pondering that over the last week and, and thinking upon that, I said that is so important because I think so many times we can say thank you, thank you, thank you, just like we do with love you, love you, love you. And we say these phrases and they're just words. We've, we've, we've missed out on the depth of their meaning. Think about that. Think about how many times during the day you may say love you or Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
and maybe you had the feeling of, of, of you know, of, 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 of you were pleased and you were relieved or someone served you in a way that, that assisted you. Thank you. But that's where it stopped. Nothing came forth from it. Were you truly grateful? Because I love this understanding that grateful, being grateful is an action. It's showing um, grateful as showing an appreciation of kindness. Like you take what you've received that you're thankful for, and then in return, you pass it on because you're grateful. Think about that with our relationship with Christ. Oh God, thank you for saving me. But are you grateful? Has fruit come from your thankfulness? So many times we look at thankful and grateful as being the same, and they're not. Thankful is a feeling, and feelings come and go. But gratitude, it remains. It remains. I look at it as gratefulness being a fruit of thankfulness. I can't be genuinely grateful unless I'm first genuinely thankful. And so this is how we must grow and mature. That we just don't come across these phrases and we just say it. We just say it. Love you, love you, love you. But do we really understand the definition of love? And what love is? Or have we just twisted things and we've made it out to what we want it to be? But to be grateful. Biblical thankfulness means acknowledging the kindness of the giver. It turns the focus to the one who gives. Thankfulness in the Bible means showing appreciation for goodness, effort, and thoughtfulness of the giver. To show biblical gratitude is to give goodness and grace to others. As the giver has first received from God... It means to extend the joy of receiving to others and God through gestures of kindness and goodness. So, oh, how I pray that as you go through this week, I don't know if you have ever given thought on thankful and and gratefulness, what they mean, if you thought they were the same, but they're not. And so, how are you living as you go forward this week as we come together and we're, and we're going to be thankful and we're as a fellowship and as a family this afternoon and, you know, we're going to have people in for, for lunch. What does it really mean? Are the fruit of these characteristics really in our lives? Or are they just empty words? See, too many times we live in our lives <laughs> empty Because the meaning of life is lost. Because all we've lived on are empty words. We've lived on empty words. We've grown accustomed to emptiness. It doesn't mean anything to me. Thank you, though. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just think how many times you say it through the day. Is it producing anything in you? Because if it's not, then you're just a taker. You just take, 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 and take. And that's not what a Christian is to be. We're to be givers. 
We're to be giving. We're to be giving. We're to be giving because we're genuinely grateful for that which has been given to us. Because we're thankful first. We have these feelings. Wow. And that's why I've always encouraged us. You can't give what you don't have. If you truly don't understand the fullness of the richness of God's love, you're not going to be able to give it to others. If you don't understand the fullness of the grace of God for your own life and what has been given to you, you're not going to be one that can extend grace to others. If you, if you truly are not experiencing the mercy of God and understanding what that word means, then you're not going to be able to extend it to others. And so I really want to challenge us as we go forward into this week. What do these words mean to you? How are you living? How are you living? What are we doing with? And really ask, am I living an empty life? Because I'm living off empty words. They mean nothing to me. Because I'm truly not grateful because I'm not giving it away to anyone else. And so I really want to challenge this. And so I want to look at a few scriptures to encourage us to persevere. Persevere. With the understanding of... of, 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 of being thankful and grateful. Oh, how I pray that, you know, those who are hearing this today and those who potentially will hear it maybe on the podcast later, that we truly grasp the importance of not living off empty words, but truly recognizing what they mean. And then not only what they mean, but how we should be living them out. So I want us to go to Philippians 4. I've heard it already, but let's look at it again. Philippians 4, verse 11 through 12. This is Paul. He's thankful for the gifts that the church in Philippi has been giving to him. So he thanks them. But in this, he says, verse 11, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty or empty with plenty or little. He's learned to be content. And oh, how I pray that we all can get there. That we're just not striving and striving and striving and striving and exhausting ourselves. But learning really what it means to be content. To remain humble. To remain thankful. To remain grateful. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. 
Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is the will of God for you, that you would be thankful in all circumstances. And in that, be grateful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Let that be cultivated in your life. If you're living off empty words and life is just empty, oh, if you are a Christian, that's not where you should be. You should know the value of what it is to be thankful and grateful. To live being joyful. To understand what it means to never stop praying. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. Go to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Verse 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north to south. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. He is faithful. His faithful love, I'm sorry, endures forever. And I love this. Verse 2, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. There's gratefulness for you. Just don't be thankful. Be grateful. Thank Him. For He is good. His faithful love endures forever. But from that comes forth gratitude. Share it with others. Tell others of the goodness of God and what He's done in your life. And not only what He's done for you, but what He desires to do for them. Share the gospel. You're not to hide your light. You're to be burning bright. So thankfulness and gratefulness are powerful words that transform us to live a life of freedom. Go to Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. That all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. Oh, look at this beautiful picture of gratitude, of gratefulness. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and listen to this and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Are you living off empty words and an empty life? Oh, how I pray you're not. 
And if you are, oh, how I pray that you would respond to the Holy Spirit leading you from that place of barrenness. And that your life would become fruitful. Listen to the psalmist. And one thing, if you've been around here long enough, we talk about the psalmist. They're transparent. They're open. They're honest. They're not withholding anything. They are grateful because they are thankful for all that God has done for them. And so listen to this psalm from David. That all that I am, praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all of my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with, I love this, love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. Oh, how I pray again, we're not just going into this week's, uh, week of Thanksgiving, and all it is, again, is just an empty word. Oh yes, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. But if there's really not a, a, the genuineness of our hearts and in our lives, of fruit bearing from our heart and our lives, of thankfulness and gratefulness, then we must seek the Lord to truly understand the power that comes from these words. And that again, they're just not empty words. Again, gratefulness for my understanding of the, dis, of, the, of the definitions I've shared with you this morning. It is a fruit from being thankful. You're first thankful. This psalmist, David, King David, he is thankful for all that the Lord has done. And because of that being a genuine, genuine thankfulness, gratefulness comes forth. And he's able to praise him. He's able to recall everything that God has done for him. And that is so important. To recall the things God has done. If you want to focus on your past, then focus on what God has done back there. Not what's been done to you or what you've done. Poor me, poor me. No, look back and see what God has done. So when the enemy wants to taunt you to look back, you remind him what's back there. It's so important that we, that we grasp this. That again, it's just not a week or a day that we celebrate once a year, but it's an active lifestyle for a believer. And that's why I challenge people all the time. If that is not something that's already produced within you, don't beat yourself up. Just begin. Just seek the Lord for this. Be honest with the Holy Spirit. No, I have not been thankful. I say that over and over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all day long. But I'm not really truly understanding what it has meant. Because it hasn't really produced gratitude in my life. Because remember, gratitude is then giving it back. Giving it to others. Sharing it with others. That's when you know your thankfulness is genuine. That's when you know you're just not going to flippantly throw the word of that phrase around. That's when you really realize you have the honest assessment of yourself and say, mm, no, I've believed a lie. And again, this, this concept I've been thinking about all week is living off empty words. Living off empty words. And I've been praying not just for myself, but for all of us. That the Holy Spirit will be quick 
to, 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 to remind us, oh, that's empty words. You're living in barrenness because you're choosing to. You're choosing to, but no, no, Rob, do you understand what I have for you? Do you understand what I want to produce? Do you understand what lies before you? Abundance of fruit. An abundant life. Too many times we talk ourselves in circles off empty words. They mean nothing to us. They sound right. They sound good. But nothing's being produced. And we're caught up in deception. The enemy has deceived us in some way of thinking, oh yes, in reality we're not because nothing's coming from it. And that's why I want to challenge us today as I've been challenging myself over the past week as I was praying for our time today. Like, oh God, wait a minute. Do we truly grasp what it means to be thankful? Because if we did, then gratitude will come. And I think, I don't know what, what about you all or people who may be listening, like I think people, there's been times where I think those two mean the same thing. But they don't. Thankful is a feeling Grateful, gratitude is an action. I am thankful, and because I am thankful, then I'm grateful because I'm going to give it right back. I'm going to give it away. And that's so important because that's where it starts in, 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 our, in our walk with Christ. Like he, God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. He draws us to himself. Through his loving kindness to a place of repentance. And oh God, we're, we're, we're thankful. Like, oh God. <laughs> and we receive it. And then we receive it and we give it away. Because we're grateful. Because why would I want to hold on to it when I know it's going to do good for you? Because that's what Jesus came to do. And that's one way to keep us on the path in which is set before us. To truly learn what it means to be thankful and ultimately what it means to be grateful. Go to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 22 through 24. <clears throat> My pages stop sticking together. Lamentations chapter 3. There we go. Verse 20 through, 22 through 24. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Lamentations 3, verse 22 through 24. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. We know this. Again, these just can't be words we hear, but how are they impacting our lives? Through being thankful and grateful. We understand that his great great is his mercy is his faithfulness. 
His mercies begin afresh each morning. And oh, how we ought to be thankful for that and grateful for that through the day. When we, we, we say those words, His mercies are new every morning. We, we have, we, we know that, we, we hear that, maybe we even say it. But are you thankful for it? Do you really understand? Because again, if they're just empty words, we say them. As if we're doing some type of mantra to protect us. We're not like the occult. We're Christians. These are words. These are life-giving words. And so when I awake, when you awake in the morning, and you begin to say, God, your mercies are new every morning. God, thank you for that. Your genuineness, your thankfulness will be displayed as your day goes. Are you, are you grateful? Are you extending mercies, mercy to others throughout your day? Or are you just pushing people out of the way? Bossing people around? Snapping off at people? Just taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking all day long. And then just settling in and waking up the next day to start all over again. Oh, God, thank you that your mercies are due every morning. And then you go right back to that vicious cycle of living in barrenness. And reality is that you're not thankful because you're not grateful. You're not extending mercy to anyone. Do you understand? This is how we need to grow and mature as Christians. Not to beat you down because, oh, I'm not doing it right. Please, that's not what it's about. Don't let the enemy creep in and choke the word or snatch the word from you. Let your heart be cultivated by the Holy Spirit to be good soil to receive. God, no, that's me. Sometimes we just have to, instead of pointing at everyone else, we need to say, God, oh, that's me. Like, oh, God, that's how I've been living. And then we go to the first star, repentance, like, but God, you're so loving and you're so kind to reveal that to me. You, you don't push me down. You, you don't point me. You, you don't step on me and tell me what a bad person I am. No, God, you were pleased to show me my, I'm in error because of your great love for me. Like, God, I don't want to keep doing that all, all day. I don't want to keep just going through the motions and thank you for something in reality I'm not thankful for because there's nothing being produced in me to be grateful. And that's where we're doing warfare, you all. That's where we have to grow and do warfare. Because again, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness that will love nothing more than to keep you living off empty words and in barrenness. And it's your choice. It's your choice. It's not the enemy. It's not other people. We're choosing it. But when we understand the concept of, wait a minute, I want to be thankful. And in return, I should be monitoring the fruit of my life to see, is it really producing gratitude? Because if I truly understand the mercies that have been extended to me this day, that they are new this morning, (laughs) that he's not dredging up what happened yesterday, (laughs) He's not holding against me what was there and what's not there and this and this and that. No, no. Like his mercies are new every morning. And to truly receive it, to be thankful, and by doing so, being grateful 
and being able to extend it to others. Philippians chapter 4. Back in Philippians. Chapter 4. Verse 6 through 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then... You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, we get this understanding that our position is in Christ. We are in Christ. We are living in Christ. We're not living in self. We're not living for me, myself, and I any longer. We are in Christ. We are his image bearers. So we are called to always be full of joy in the Lord. And that's not giddiness, ah, where you're just running around looking like a fool. But the reality of joy and the fullness of joy to, to, to live a life with an expectancy far beyond what we can see and think. But the reality of heaven and his eternal kingdom and all that he's done for us. That's how we can get through trials. That's how we can face traumatic events is by remembering whom we belong to and where we're going. And the joy that we have in the Lord. And he says, again, I, again, I say rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Let everyone see that you're considerate. How do we get to a place where we're living a life like that? By being thankful. And then allowing gratefulness to come forth from our lives. There's a way in which we're to live. Remember when I said earlier we're to be servants. We are to humble ourselves. We are to serve. I mean, the reality of the Christian life, is, and we've heard it in the scripture, clearly points it out to us, is to think of others before you think of yourself. And oh God, if we all would live that way, not in our own strength, trying to call, you know, trying to do it in our own selves, because we will exhaust ourselves. That will become religious, and we will get burnt out. But the reality of just serving others freely, the reality is, I'm thinking of you before I think of myself. Are you comfortable? Before I'm comfortable. The reality of truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free. Go to, back to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. <clears throat> Verse 2. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. And from that, that it burst forth into singing psalms and praise to Him. Let's receive what He has given us, and in return, let's give it back to Him. Thankfulness, gratefulness. 
We just don't receive and keep. No, we receive and give it away. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16 through 17. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Through my thankfulness, through me being thankful, I am grateful, and through my gratefulness, I'm doing as Scripture is saying here. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through God, him, through him to God the Father. And listen to that. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. It's so sad that many believers are not are missing out on the fullness of life that Jesus has for us. If we would allow Christ, the message about Christ, and all of its richness fill our lives. Do you think upon Christ daily? Do you understand what he has done for you and in you and through you? Are you reaping the benefits and, and the fruit of a life that has been born again? If you're not, then come to Christ. Repent. Allow the working of the Holy Spirit to be in your life. Because again, we understand that as the day and the ages are growing darker, there's going to be many people who are going to be swept away and they're going to start following doctrines of demons. And if we're not daily meditating and, and filling our hearts and our minds and our lives with the richness that comes from Christ, then what are we doing? And I love the next verse where it says, Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. And I've said it over and over throughout the years. I think the problem is the reason why people aren't sharing the gospel the reason why people aren't out doing as they ought to be doing day in and day out, it being an image bearer of Christ, is that they are not filling their lives which, with the richness in which they've received from Christ. And so we strip down this message, we make it empty words, and no one really comes to Christ. They just come to the land of barrenness that people are living in. And this is Christianity. And how sad is that? Because that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. So when we're thankful, when we truly have an understanding of what it means to be thankful, the fruit of gratefulness will, will come forth. When you're truly thankful, when you're truly allowing the message of Christ in all of its richness to fill your life, then you'll teach, 
you'll counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. And then from your life will spring forth praise and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll be giving, you'll give God praise, you'll give him worship. You will give yourself away. So that Christ could have his place in your life. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, we see this understanding, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are thankful for what Christ has done, and in so the gratitude, the gratefulness is now being produced in our lives. And we're living in a way that is pleasing to God through the Spirit's power within us. Again, you can't live this out in your natural man, and your natural flesh. <laughs> You'll become religious if you do. But when you walk in the Spirit, when you begin to walk in the abundance and not the barrenness, your heart and your life begins to change. Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not pulling any punches. He knows exactly where each one of us are at. And his desire is that we would continue to mature and to grow. And being thankful and grateful. The last verse for perseverance is James. James 1, verse 17 Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a, a shifting shadow. This is God, you all. Whatever good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. And oh, how that should produce within us when we have the understanding and the mindset, it should produce within us thankfulness. 
the feeling of being pleased, of receiving, knowing good and well, especially from God, that we didn't deserve it. That we didn't deserve it. See, everything about your new life in Christ starts here with Him, and then it flows out to everyone else. And so we receive these good gifts from God through Christ as the Holy Spirit leads us. And we're thankful. And from that, it produces gratitude. We are grateful. Are you grateful? Oh, how I pray that you are. Oh, how I pray that thankfulness and, and gratefulness are just not empty words. And if they are, oh, how I pray that you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, wait a minute, I need to be living differently. Especially if you're calling yourself a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then that's totally opposite for you. You're all about me, myself, and I. You're just taking and taking and taking and taking. But the reality is, is that Christ came to set you free from this mindset. Christ has come. And God is pleased to reveal himself to you. That you may respond and freely receive. And truly be thankful. Which will lead you into the reality of truly being grateful. And it's a level of service. Because you now become a new creation. You are now an image bearer of Christ. I want to share with you in our final time together a few of these encounters that people had with Jesus. And as I've been meditating upon them and thinking through them, they bring such encouragement to me, and I hope they do to you as well. Because their lives were impacted in a way that maybe they, would, they couldn't even comprehend what was going to take place. But they encountered Jesus. And their lives forever changed. Their lives forever changed. And you begin to see within their lives a little, a little picture of the concept of being thankful and then, then them living it out, being grateful. Go to Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at the ten healed of leprosy. Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. Some of these you've heard before, hopefully you've read before. I know I've preached on them before. Luke 17, 11 through 19. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And as we understand, leprosy at that time, like you lost everything. You weren't part of society any longer. You were a, a throwaway. You had no relationship any longer with anyone else but those who were sick. They cried out to Jesus. Jesus responded. 
and in their obedience to turn and to go, as Jesus commanded, they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Listen to this. Thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And that's important because as we understand, as we've talked about the Samaritans before, they were again, not only was he a leper, but he was now a, a cleansed leopard, but he was a Samaritan, and Jews really had nothing to do with Samaritans. And yet, the Bible lets us know this man was a Samaritan. And look now, as he comes to Jesus, he recognizes that he is healed. He comes back because of his thankfulness, he is now displaying a heart that is grateful. And then Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. That's beautiful. The other nine, they had no gratefulness. Because genuinely they weren't thankful. They received. But in receiving, there was no response in returning to the one who healed him or healed them. Go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, or forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my, from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Again, this beautiful picture of gratefulness being displayed. Go to Luke chapter 19. Jesus and Zacchaeus. Chapter 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead um, ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree um, beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. And let's remember Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He was ruthless. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He was gone. To, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, "You want to hear gratitude? <laughs> I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give back four times as much." Everyone else was complaining. Jesus is in their midst, but only one is responding. He's thankful that Jesus came to his home. He understands there's a moving within him, a conviction that comes forth to display his thankfulness by being grateful. What he has freely received, he freely now. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Go to John chapter 4. Samaritan woman. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And again, as you're hearing these accounts, again, what we're seeing is how these people responded. And not just how they responded, they responded by first what Jesus has done in their lives. He's healed them. He's made them 
whole. He's made them complete. And they've responded in a way that honored God. Because they were truly grateful for what He has done in their lives. So we pick up chapter 4, verse 4, oh, verse 1 of John. We're going to do 1 through 30, then we're jumping to 39 to 42. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, that, I'm sorry, the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because of his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied. Don't you love this, you all, when you keep hearing that phrase, Jesus replied? Jesus didn't reject her. Jesus didn't look down upon her. Jesus knew exactly what type of woman she was. And yet he was drawing her to truth. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, eternal life, the abundant life, life that is fruitful, not barren. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it, it is here on Mount Gershom, where our ancestors worshipped. And Jesus replied. I'm telling y'all, don't miss out on that phrase alone. Jesus replied. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship 
him must worship in spirit and truth. Then the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Highlight that. Circle that. Telling everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And I'm not going to go into the long sermon that I've done before on this account. It is one of my favorites. But this woman received freely from Jesus. And she didn't keep it to herself. She ran back to that village and told everyone. And we already have an understanding that she was an outcast in that village. She was a loose woman living a loose life. She, she didn't go with the other women to get water. So she was a shunned woman. And I've said to you before, as we've talked about it before, she probably, she probably was downcast and heavy laden and burdened. <laughs> Walking through the town, possibly. I don't know, with her head down. People with shame, their postures are different. And yet, here she is meeting Jesus. And Jesus reveals himself to her. I am the Messiah. Verse 39-42 Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him, look at this, to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. In fact, here we are. These people are wanting him to stay where we see the other Jewish towns telling Jesus to get out. To get out. And yet you have the Samaritans begging him, no, stay with us. And you see the difference in the response. Not only were they thankful, but they were grateful. Finally, let's look at John 8, 1 through 11. John 8, 1 through 11. A woman caught in adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into something saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stood, stooped down, and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, 
But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Mm. And again, this beautiful picture. We have these religious men, the leaders of the, God's people in their days. They didn't even know God. All they knew was rules and laws. They weren't thankful and they weren't grateful. Nothing was being produced in their life, but they held an image. And here the Messiah was right in front of them. And yet they're setting him up time and time and time again to take him down. And here they brought a woman again caught in the act of adultery who by law, yes, she should have been stoned. But Jesus, again, displaying compassion, loving kindness, was tender-hearted. He didn't want the woman to remain in her sin. So he doesn't excuse the sin in any of these people that we talked about today. But the revelation of who he is is greater than their sin. And how that should be for us. The revelation of who Christ Jesus is should be greater than our sin nature. We should be focusing more on Christ than our old man or the old woman. Or the sin that so easily entangles us. Because the Bible says we're to throw it off. We're not to be enslaved or kept in bondage. He looked at this woman. Where are your accusers? And as he looks at us, and as he tells her, neither do I go and sin no more. And the importance of being thankful and grateful. And as I've encouraged us today to know the difference between those two words, they're not the same. Again, being thankful is a feeling. Being grateful is action. And so as Christians, it starts first with our relationship with God. We're thankful for all that He has done. Not not because of anything we have done, but because all He has done. And in that, the fruit comes forth of gratitude, of being grateful. And that which we have freely received, now we freely give. Back to Him, and back to others. So I pray that we're encouraged today. And I pray that if you're not in Christ today, or if you have the wrong image of God, oh, how I pray the Holy Spirit would awaken your heart and open your eyes, that you may see Him truly for who He is and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And that you would freely receive, that you would be thankful, but ultimately you would be grateful. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close us in prayer.
Give my 
I give my 